Let's do it. in action and we've stopped to pick you up and the master of picking you up johnny krug what's going on brother oh i picked up all the lot lizards no <laughs> um <laughs> no man i'm glad to be back dude this is gonna be awesome um this is a this is a solid show <laughs> we have planned for you guys yeah we're gonna get uh very futuristic on you 1991 going- territory <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but the movie's made in 89, but the future is 1991, so they really went for a stretch. <laughs> I was just, you know, that's the funniest part about this movie is, like, most movies are so ambitious, they're like, let's do 20 years, man. Let's do maybe 10, 20, I don't know. This movie's like, you know what, I think two is about our limit on as far as budget goes. <laughs> I, I just love that this is going to happen in a two-year period, you know, uh, that things will change this drastically, so... But we were, what we are talking about is Future Force. And, uh, yeah, the Future Force of two years difference in time. Uh, <laughs> some things you just can't make up. That should have been the pitch for, the, for this movie, right? <laughs> oh, man. You know, well, and that's the funny thing we'll get into is that this movie, you talk about things they could have made up. There's There are so many things, like elements in this movie that had they, had they I don't know, maybe thought them out a little bit more they would have used them more <laughs> <laughs> true uh, one of them may have uh, one of them is definitely the futuristic detachable arm glove thing <laughs> yeah it's it's it almost it really doesn't belong but uh you know this is the uh, the years of the robocop craze and uh you know this has definitely got a, a feel for that so nothing says future like you know robot arms <laughs> oh dude this is yeah this is gonna be great right so folks what we're gonna do we're gonna take a little short break and we're gonna come right back and jump right into future force get out of the way are you sick of the same old stale podcast Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. 
They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. And now for our feature presentation. And we're back with Future Force from 1989. The IMDb for this is a 3.3, which that's pretty low, even for short bus movies. It's pretty low. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think this was a 3.3. I mean, but we'll get our get to our ratings later. But this is, I mean, <laughs> Death Nurse is somewhere in this area. Oh, no, man, I'd go lower than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie had some budget. There was a budget there at some point. Well, let's just say I actually watched this one twice, so it does have a redeeming quality to it. Me too. Watched it twice also. That's see, Not- and that's that's rare for the show too. Well, this is written and directed by David Pryor, and when I saw that name, I'm like, I know that name. So when I looked him up, David Pryor did Sledgehammer, Killer Workout, and Deadly Prey. Ah. And a couple of those are short short bus material, but I like Killer Workout quite a bit. Yeah, well, Deadly Prey, I believe the the main characters from that is in this as well. So maybe that's uh, where all this kind of spanned from. I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> this movie stars your star power is David Carradine. So you got Kung Fu himself. Yeah, Robert Tessier. Is that how you say yeah. it? Tessier? Tessier? Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, the lady in this is Anna Rapena. I learned to say that. That is correct. <laughs> You did more work than I did because I just called her the reporter the whole time. I didn't even get a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Should have come up with a, a, a funny name like Connie Chunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, and Tessier, or Tessier, however you want to say it. I mean, this is the guy from... Uh, the longest yard, the big ball-headed rough guy. Every time you see him, he's a rough and tumble kind of bad guy. So, oh, he's got know. a he's got a face that you know you you don't forget. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh it's it, it's in your mind when you think Carradine and this guy. That seems like a pretty good matchup, except this is in 1989, where they're <laughs> both pretty much washed up at this point <laughs> dude I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say before we even get started on the plot of this movie the the way the way Carradine like walks into do, into buildings and steps out of vehicles is just like leading with his beer gut and just like not giving a shit oh man it's it's like he's been a truck driver for the past four set 45 years oh yeah dude this is just... total drunk uncle stuff yeah, he just waddles everywhere he goes. <laughs> it's, I love it because, yeah. And it's funny because later he did do more charismatic charismatic things in his career. But yeah. at this point, it was like, man, he was just, this was like bottom of the barrel. You can tell he didn't care. Yeah, he didn't care at this point. And 
And he's even one of the executive producers on this thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'll make you a movie. <laughs> Why don't you force, future force your name across a couple of those checks for me? <laughs> so, yeah, man. Uh, 1991, the distant future, where everybody's driving Ford LTDs. Uh, <laughs> and, there, and there's a, a crime problem. They immediately tell you that... that uh, the crime is over on the city. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, and I hate to say it because we're trying to break out of reality, but <laughs> it's kind of the whole thing of where we've, uh, we no longer fund the police, so the police force is shut down. The government doesn't fund them anymore, so, you know, private enterprises just start creating police force. And this is what cracks me up, man, right from the very beginning. You're getting all this backstory. And you you see this Jeep Cherokee <laughs> sitting outside of a factory, and you're hearing all this information of in the year 1991, crime is running amok and all this stuff. And they give the name of this company, which is <laughs> this is what's hilarious because they're showing a badge cops. that's on Carradine's arm that says cops, you know. But it's uh, when the guys read it, he says, Civilian Operated Police Incorporated. And I'm like, uh, Kopi? I had, to, I had to rewind that because I'm like, they couldn't get a second take from the voiceover guy? Are you serious? Oh. Now, later on, you, when you see the name, it's actually got systems as the end. But Which still, the doesn't make, first... still doesn't make sense because they're people. Civilian operated police system. This sounds like a computer program. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were going for. But yeah, uh, so we're now part of the Kopi team, and uh, he's waiting outside this factory. And it sounds like the beginning of Allentown is starting because this <laughs> this whistle blows. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, these people are getting off work, and wouldn't you know it, I mean, there's this guy that's making a drug deal with these other two. I guess it's a drug deal. I don't really know what he's doing. It's almost like, hey, how's it going in there? How's it work? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, these are the bad guys? <laughs> well, and they're all walking through this chain link fence at first. I was like, oh, it is a job. At first, I was like, is this a prison letting out? What the hell is going on? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it has that exact whistle at the beginning of the song Allentown. <laughs> I just want to hear do 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 and we're standing here in Allentown. <laughs> David Carradine just kicked me down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you got this drug deal or whatever's going on with these bad guys, and so this cops system basically has the ability to forward you information. And it pretty much puts a hit on people. So instead of you, like, really arresting them, you know, you get $10,000 to either terminate somebody or, you know, they're more or less bounty hunters than anything else. Well, yeah, because it, it basically it's like um, if they don't comply, you get to kill them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he even the reading of the, the laws that he, that he gives them, the, <laughs> it's just some crazy, uh, if you don't comply, you die. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's where we meet John Tucker, which is David Carradine. And he waddles out of his Jeep Cherokee <laughs> up to this guy with his 
hair pulled back in a, a cigar haircut. And uh, this, uh, there's, there's, he's talking to two other bad guys. And then just David Carradine pulls out his pistol and shoots the guy. And he's trying to show that he's got kind of like this old western kind of thing, right? Because he shoots with the pistol and he twirls it and puts it back in his holster. It's a, also it's a it's like an old school like revolver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's just his thing, I guess. He's yeah. So he's, he like, he's like a, a cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a drunk cowboy for sure. <laughs> and you can tell, man. I mean, he is. I'm pretty much everything was one take. Because <laughs> he's just like. Yeah, alright. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I mean, just the size of his waist is just, it's almost kind of heartbreaking because this is David Carradine. Well, you it, know? It is. And that's the thing is like, I mean, he, he's, he's like that, he's like a character from a sitcom in this. Like, yeah. like, I'm telling you, he leads with that gut. And hey, no, I'm not putting down people with a gut. I'm saying that, like, you know, you know, they probably could have. He probably could have done a couple sit-ups if he's going to be an action hero. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing I wonder about it too. Because you know, by the time Kill Bill rolls around, it's like he got his crap back into gear, I guess, and you know, looked decent. But this one, man, he's cut all of his hair off, and he's just str- strutting around like, like Fat Vince Neil. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is, dude. That's what this is. Yeah. This this is yeah. that uh, that. Um... Bumble Vince Neil meme. <laughs> he dies in a tunnel free. My <laughs> Then he ends up uh, shooting the one guy. Then he ends up just whipping the other two guys, and they're not much of a contest. And <laughs> they knock him out. No, he knocks them out. And he's looking up information on them. And they they run and get in their car, right? And he sees them trying to get away. And he goes to the back of his Jeep and opens it up. And he's got this robot arm that he, uh, or robot glove. It's almost like, it's like the power glove. It looks like the power glove so much. <laughs> but it goes up to his elbow. <laughs> That's what I had written down. I, I had written down that it's the cybernetic power glove of, of electricity. And we got to talk about his vest too, man. Because he's got this vest. He's got patches all over it. And it does say cops on it. But on the back, there's this big painted hand flesh-colored hand. No reason why, but I bring it up because there's no significance for it, but it shows up again later on, too, and it's still no significance. So, they were trying to make something mean something, but it just doesn't. So, he's got this big... It's almost like, I don't know, when he's off-duty or when he's like on a stakeout, he just pulls his jacket off and starts painting on his hand. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man, the two thugs run, get in the car, and then we get the robo-hand... And he grabs the roof of the car while they're trying to speed off. And he's just... <laughs> he's holding the car in place with this robot glove. I and the car's <laughs> wheels are spinning. <laughs> it is, dude. It is straight-up cartoon stuff. Yeah, even the, the sound of the wheels sounds just like something off of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. <laughs> there's a lot of that in this movie. Um, there's some. There's a couple scenes where there's, uh, like, a shootout. And, and it's like that canned gun, you know, uh, sound oh, yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah. Your your kicks sound like punches, and your punches sound like kicks, and you know everything's all over the place in this one. But yeah, while he's holding the car, and he tells them to give up, so they do. 
And he says, all right, if you'll stay here, I've got to go enter this information into my Jeep, which is way over there. When he's walking away, the car decides, the guys at the cars decide to charge at him. And he just shoots lasers out of this glove and it blows the car up. <laughs> I'm like, why would you do that first? <laughs> well, and when you see all the things this glove can do and things that it's never established it can do, but it does. <laughs> you want you start to, you start to wonder more and more why he doesn't always just wear the damn glove. Right. You don't even need a gun at that point, right? I mean, you don't even yeah, need anyways. to wear the vest. <laughs> <laughs> you can just strut that belly on out there with that glove on, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, still the fact of him grabbing the top of that car, the roof of the car, and holding on to it, and it just, you can see the glove is like ripped a chunk out of the car because it's holding down into it. I'm like, wouldn't the car be strong enough? Wouldn't you just rip the roof off? <laughs> If a car with a, I don't know, 500 horsepower motor in it was pulling you. It would be like a can of uh, sardines, dude. It would just peel straight back. (laughs) But anyways, that's just my observation on that. They couldn't even get the acronym correct in the the voiceover. So (laughs) I'm not going to expect them to know anything about how the the specifics of ripping roofs off is going to work or holding a car in place. But anyways, the fact that you can just shoot a laser out of this thing, and then after that, Tucker jumps back into his Jeep, and he starts talking to his tech partner named Billy. Billy is your average 80s computer geek, right? Who works in a small room with no lights. Yeah, man, he's just, he's he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> I didn't get the significance of that. <laughs> like, it, it, it is, was it to make him seem more helpless? Either that or he's, that makes it even more nerdy because all he does is sit there and works on computers all the time because he can't go jogging. I, you, I really don't you know. You nerd, you can't walk. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll show you. I'll make a glove with a laser in it. <laughs> but anyways, he pops up on this little bitty TV screen that is mounted in the glove compartment <laughs> of the Jeep. It's like one of those old camping TVs. <clears throat> it's, it's exactly what it is. But it gets really good picture for some reason. I mean, most of us saw are like black and white and rolled the whole time. But this thing's like pretty pristine for 89. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, hey, uh, that glove, that, that worked out really good. And he's like, well, did you try the remote? <laughs> and Tucker says, oh, it's a little too fancy for me. I'm like, a remote is too fancy for you? You just used a glove to you shoot a laser and blow up a car. The remote control is where you draw the line. <laughs> uh, Dude, but yeah, I guess, I guess I guess that was uh, alluding to the end of the movie, the remote control. Oh yes, because it's a little foreshadowing. <laughs> I didn't write that down, but now that you say that, they did kind of establish that. Yeah, he don't like the idea of this glove having a remote control. <laughs> you know, like, well, Dave, David, I don't like you roping me into. You're, I don't know, that wasn't funny. <laughs> we'll cut that out. I was, I was trying to make a David Carradine remote control rope joke. It didn't work. <laughs> That's all right, man. <laughs> oh, so here we get to meet our bad guys. The main bad guy's this. name is Adams. <laughs> he looked like and Shooter this guy, McGavin from Happy Gilmore. 
Yeah, I mean, with this, with this big stash, and he's got the Seagull haircut, too, where it's all pulled back into a ponytail and slicked down. You got Adams, and you got Becker. And Becker is our big, bald-headed guy from uh, the Longest Yard. From Goonies. <laughs> sloth. I, I have him written down as sloth in my notes. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, but you know what they do for fun? They uh, they crush a businessman in a car, in a car crusher. Um, this is some guy that uh, they're dealing with somehow, and the deal goes bad, so they just off him in this car crusher, and it's just to show you how bad these guys are. I mean, <clears throat> I'm just I'm gonna say right now that if you're making deals in a car salvage yard, things <laughs> probably pretty shady. Yeah, probably won't go your way. <laughs> Hey, uh, I need you to come talk to me about our business in the in the junkyard <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, oh, it, nothing sounds dark. suspicious about that. <laughs> Man. Oh. And then we cut away from that. We've established our bad guys. We cut to that cops is. headquarters. <laughs> and uh, come on, man, these officers. It looked like a it, it looked like a CMT green room <laughs> at the award show. <laughs> These guys, man, I couldn't. I was like, "Is this Twisted Sister?" Because these these people in this in this room look like Twisted Sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's you the, had the, uh, the, the, it's this really weird, I don't know, mixture of ragtag people that were like, th- like third string uh, henchmen in like big movies, right? Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's like just big burly guys that don't shave and they put some studs on them. And one dude's even got an eye patch. He looks like if Grizzly Adams was trying to be Snake Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty so apt. Got, yeah. I mean, all these guys, you could pretty much nail them. It's like, uh, this guy thinks he's Lou Ferrigno, but uh, looks like he ate too many meatballs. I mean, you know, just, uh, oh, just a weird bunch, man. You know the one thing you didn't mention? What's that? All the denim in this room. Oh, man. Every person is head-to-toe in denim. Double denim, man. The whole room. <laughs> that is the cop's uniform. Well, and, and they have on the wall, they have, like, um, Confederate flags, and then they have all this. Uh, everything in the room just, like, clashes with one another. <laughs> yeah. They they really tried hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, Tucker comes in there to pick up his money for blowing up these people in the car. <laughs> and uh, the lady he gets the money from, man, looks like she was one of the one of the bad wrestlers on Glow or something. I mean, she's she's rough, man. I think her name's Russell. <laughs> and uh, when he gets ready to get out, there's this dude over here that kind of looks like Samurai Cop. It's like, hey, when are you going to let us start getting some of the good jobs? He's like, I guess when you're good enough to get them or something like that <laughs> it's just like oh well, that's a cut down <laughs> that dude looked exactly like scott stapp from creed oh he did <laughs> I was, like the whole every time they'd show him it's funny too because out of the whole bunch he's like the pretty boy kind of guy and yeah. it's just funny that he's the one that's got like the biggest the biggest you know bone to pick with john tucker <laughs> you would think the guy with an eye patch and like you know, yeah. this three times his size would be pissed off too. Right. But no, it's got to be this little guy that stands up and acts like he's going to draw. And they do draw, but, you know, 
Tucker beats him to it, and he's like, yep, you're not ready. You would be dead right now. It's like, <laughs> why didn't you just go ahead and shoot him? You know? <laughs> oh. It's about this time and, where uh, they just randomly cut to the main girl in this movie, <laughs> Marion. Well, we're not there just yet because oh. we gotta get we gotta get to where Adams is talking to the priest. <laughs> oh, yeah, shaking down the priest. Yeah, I mean, he calls the priest in. The priest like, all right, cut the bull crap. <laughs> what are we doing here? And they're trying to take the the preacher's business because apparently he runs the streets. So, like I said, this movie's just all over the place, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in 91, but it needs to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, he says that uh, Adams is like, look, uh, we went in, uh, went in on the business or, you know, something might happen to you and they want 50%. And the priest isn't happy about that. And then Adams says, hey, Becker, show him how serious we are. And he just shoots one of his own guards. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I'm it, like, it, are it, you confused? <laughs> Do you think that guy belongs to the priest? Because he doesn't. He's your guy. <laughs> That was the weirdest thing. It's like, shoot out a kneecap or something, but like, don't shoot your own henchman. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, but this is where we cut to the DMZ. The, the popular club that the cops like to hang out in. Oh, yeah. In this place. The the demilitary, the, the demilitary, I cannot say the word demilitarized. There we go. Yeah. Zone, strip club. <laughs> it's a strip club. And I love the fact of this place can afford, I don't know, three or four strippers at all times. And there's only like five people in the place ever. And they're all cops. <laughs> yeah. And, but there's never like a huge crowd around the girls. They're just up in these suspended things and they can't be making any money because nobody's coming in this place. Well, and it seems like every time they do go to this place in the movie, like, it gets destroyed a little bit more and more. <laughs> well, that's because of who we're hanging out with. There's a song playing in there. I don't know. Yeah. Is that, hold on. Is that when they go back in there later? No. They, yeah, when they walk into the strip club, there's a song playing that sounded just like, oh, man, dude. It sounded like something. Oh, I, I was going to write it down, and I totally didn't. But it, it sounded like this really obvious ripoff of a popular song back then. Yeah, well, to me, it's like the music through this whole thing is just your cookie-cutter late 80s pop songs, right? I mean, like John Parr kind of stuff. Well, that, that's what it sounded like. That song that during that scene right there reminded me of uh, the Talking Heads. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's, I don't know, man. It's almost like the music was behind in other words just the time frame because this is 89 you mean I, I really I really wonder if this movie was made earlier it just didn't get released till 89 I could see that is because yeah a lot of the stuff in this movie is very like 84 85 ish yeah that's the way I feel about it too maybe 80 yeah 85 86 somewhere around in there anywho <laughs> <laughs> Tucker comes in sits down Matter of fact, he comes in and Scott Stapp's sitting in his seat. <laughs> he makes him get up. He sits down and starts watching TV. And this is where we get to see the reporter. And she's talking about how bad the uh, the new cop force is corrupt and not doing any good and causing more harm than good. And Carradine shoots the TV and the owner doesn't like that. But he just got paid, so he whips out a bunch of money and says, it was worth it. So, uh... 
And that's when Roxanne comes up to him. And I'm still trying to figure this out, because Roxanne's kind of got it on for this time frame, because she's middle-aged, but she's rocking some really tight jeans. She drives a Corvette. And for some reason, she's interested in bloated David Carradine that drives a Cherokee. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't figured it out yet. I mean, of all these guys, that's who she's interested in. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, That's why he produced it, dude. Yeah. So he could do script rewrites and have her interested in him. Yeah, I got another question about his love life, too, here in a little bit. But anyways... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see. Well, at, at that strip club, they they have the news on, and because that's kind of around the yeah. time we meet Mary and, and her character, and right, basically she's um, just you know running these exposés on how bad the the cop system is, and and her buddy at work has a videotape that they're going to show on TV, like Geraldo back in the day. That uh, exposes Adams and, you know, how he's corrupt and how he's messing up the system and all that stuff. So, Adams sees this on TV and he tells... <laughs> this is the best part. Adams tells uh, Becker, hey, uh, we got to get rid of her. And he's like, yeah, no problem, boss. And he just goes over to a computer in an office and just types in the code and he gets into the cop's database and is able to enter in this lady's name and accuse her of treason, and the punishment is death and makes it worth $100,000 to kill her. (laughs) I'm like, first off, this guy wouldn't know how to turn on a computer. (laughs) Oh, dude, yeah. This dude was all muscle. Like, This isn't the the henchman you go to, like, hack into someone's system or something. Uh, Yeah, he says, Hey, Sloth, I need you to hack into the mainframe. (laughs) Rocky Road. (laughs) Yeah, he gets her in there, and he goes, there you go, boss, taken care of. He's like, no, that's not good enough. I want you to go and get rid of her. So Baker's on his way to go try to get to her and then, you know, do away with her. At this time, uh, Tucker's driving around, and his little TV screen pops on, and it's Billy. And he's like, hey, guess what? That that program that that I built? It works. So he actually goes into the system and finds out ahead of time some of the up-and-coming, you know, bounties that uh, he can get a jump jump start on. So he finds out about this Marion and how much it's worth and tells him where to go find her. So he's off to get her as well. (laughs) Uh, This is a problem I have with the movie, right? Because... He just built a system to where he can get into the system and see these jobs. Ahead of time. Just keep that in mind, because later on in the movie, something else happens. You're like, didn't you just establish that he already did that? But it'll make sense after a while. <laughs> <laughs> so what you what you need to know is now that, you know, Mister uh, Professor X with a mullet <laughs> has hacked into the system to help <laughs> Tucker out. And, uh... Tucker shows up at a parking garage where the girl is, and he says, uh, hey, uh, I got to take you in. She's like, I didn't do anything. Takes off running into the, the first door that she sees, and she gets inside of it, and you can tell this is the biggest old crap moment because it's just a concrete cinder block 
<laughs> room with nowhere else to go. <laughs> so what does David Carradine do? That's right. He goes and breaks out the old robo hand and uh, pretty much just rams his hand to the door, rips the door off the hinges and says, come on, let's go. <laughs> well, what I don't understand here is like he waited until, you know, the the end of the altercation or the beginning of the movie to get out the power glove. But, yeah, I mean that, that that would be what I would start with. Right? Yeah, but but then this woman, this middle aged woman, who's you know, pr- besides her like running away from him, she hasn't shown any kind of violence or anything. That's fr- his first reaction is to grab the glove. <laughs> Did you think she was going to be that hard to get? Really? Well, you never know. <laughs> she may get in the car trying to run me over. <laughs> but he gets her out, and he's he's not being really rough with her. And she, like, grabs his arm and twists his finger or something. goes, hey, don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> and when he's trying to get her back in his Jeep, then that's when Scott Stapp and the guitar player from Night Ranger show up. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we have another shootout. And he kills, uh, he kills the guitar player, and then uh, Scott Stapp chickens out and... Takes off in his cowboy boots, which are way too big for his feet. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Oh, man, they were, like, bouncing. The toes, like, <laughs> eight inches of the front end of those boots were just, like, clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to have to go back and re- rewatch that. Oh. Uh, and here's something strange. He gets her in the Jeep. He's ran Scott Stapp off, and they take off down the road. And then out of nowhere, there's a couple driving a Ford LTD. I don't, I mean, obviously they're bounty hunters, I guess. I don't know that they're in the cops system. Well, they didn't look like characters they'd shown in that room before, but I, they, they right. were kind of dressed like them, though. Yeah. But they cranked up some John Parr <laughs> and. I put, start Je- I put Jefferson Starship. It's pretty close. I mean, the music does not fit this scene at all. <laughs> it's montage music. It's like when you're, you know repainting a boat or something it's not <laughs> we built this uh, city on future <laughs> force <laughs> they're just shooting at david carradine and i love the fact that they get side by side driving through this deserted i don't know underneath some train tracks or something but they're right side by side and the the, the bounty hunter chick is leaning out the window with a shotgun and is shooting just nonstop at at the jeep, and never hits it. And I'm like, it's a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any one of those shots could blow out the tire, even if you weren't aiming at the tire. <laughs> <laughs> at least I got a headlight. Yeah, right. <laughs> if anything, this movie just told me the uh, you know how solid a jeep Cherokee is. <laughs> uh, the new commercial. Get David Carradine to do a Jeep commercial. That'd be awesome. Just him opening a beer and grunting as he, like, accelerates. <laughs> when I'm pushing bad guys off a cliff, I use a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what happens is he decides to... He's got a smoke bomb that he carries in his in his Jeep. So you would figure somebody advanced enough to have a robot arm would have, like, James Bond-type weapons in this Jeep where he could just hit a switch and smoke would come out of the back or something. But no, we're not there yet. <laughs> he drops a smoke bomb behind or out the window, and 
It gets so smoky that the other people can't see. And they stop just in time. They're right on the edge of this just a drop-off. Like, like, obviously, they're in the city, right? This whole chase scene, they're in the city in some pretty deserted places. I really doubt that there's a 70-foot <laughs> drop-off. <laughs> well, that's the best part is, like, every yeah, everything they're showing you is, like, downtown. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden there's a, a freaking uh, Acme cliff on the... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's a, a digging site, you know, where, where uh, you know, companies are just <laughs> digging for clay or whatever. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's a 70-foot drop at least. Big boulders everywhere. So they stop right in time, and then here he comes right behind them, and he <laughs> puts the Jeep up against them, just pushes them off the ledge. <laughs> and she's like, is that what you guys do, kill each other? He's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, isn't there a lot? Isn't there a lot line there about like like did you have to do that? And he's like, I didn't have to. <laughs> Just wanted to. Kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know that their their interactions in this movie. The more like I don't know the the further you get into him holholding her hostage, they just get weirder and weirder. It really does, and. There, I've got questions about stuff when you get there. <laughs> so, uh, uh, hey, you know where we go now? Because this is kind of the loop of the movie, right? So now we're going to go back to the DMZ because that's just what you do. I mean, instead of taking the girl and turning her in, he decides that, oh, well, I, I forgot to say, uh, this hasn't happened yet, I don't think. Well, I, they, I know they go right. they do go right to the strip club after the cliff. They, they go back to strip club. We get to see the same girls taking off the same clothes, which I have to say is probably the best part of the movie. They're they're pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he brings Marion in there, and everybody's like, "Hey, she's supposed to be, you know, turned in and all this stuff." And he's like, "Yeah, mind your own business." And he gets in fight with this one big guy, and I don't know. They everybody starts pulling their guns, and the guy that's running this place, ex-military guy for sure. Hey. Nobody does any shooting in here unless it's me. And, you know, he gives them one of those speeches. You understand? So, they I don't know what the purpose of this scene is. Just to get everybody mad at him, I guess, because he brought her in there. I, I really... Well, that that was the weirdest know. part. It was like, it, it's like they were in this... Well, I don't even, it wasn't a high-speed chase. They were going like 25 max. <laughs> but they were in this, this chase, and, you know, it's this... It's supposed to be a high energy situation of him trying to, you know, not die. And the first place he goes right after is to the bar that his his coworkers frequent. Like it, it didn't make any sense. Like because it, uh. it, that's not a guy who wants to live doesn't do that. But then again, it's David <laughs> Carradine, so right. Yeah, I mean they 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 get out of here and they get back in the jeep. They take off, and now we find out. I guess because uh, Becker was trying to find the girl and found out that she's with David Carradine now that they decide to put David Carradine in the system. So now all of your cops people, you know, get a flash warning. And let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about their incredible update system, right? The uh, the graphics on the computer are kind of standard. They kind of look like maybe some RoboCop kind of stuff where it shows the picture of them and what they're guilty of. But what kills me is at cops' headquarters, 
they got one of those obviously 80s scrolling LED bars up there that uh, you know used to get things that would say pizza dollar ninety nine and it would scroll across it. That's how they're getting their information. <laughs> and everybody sits in this room, this office, and and waits for something to come across there. So these idiots are just standing there looking at the at the roof at this little LED screen, waiting for words to come across it and say who, who they go after next. I just thought that was hilarious. I mean, it wouldn't pop up on their computer. They wouldn't get a radio call. Hey, we got a new one. No, it's that stupid sign up there on the it's wall. It's the Dow Jones. The only thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's but like. Yeah, like it's the like, stock market, old, the old school ones, like from Trading Places. That's kind of why I think this movie's older, because that was probably new technology at the time. And they were, because they were really showcasing that thing, man. It's on the screen probably more than David Carradine is. <laughs> I wish it were. <laughs> uh, so anyways, now the cops are after Tucker and the girl both. And Billy pops up on his TV again. It's like, hey, just wanted to let you know they're coming after you too. Hey, and we get the we get the remote speech again. Did you try the remote? <laughs> no, I haven't tried the remote. It, it works, trust me. So, again, you know this is leading to something. Uh, how about... <laughs> all the cops, uh, when they get the message on the board, they all go outside and get the cars. These cars, man. <laughs> I mean, here's a bounty hunter driving like an AMC Pacer. <laughs> Uh, and like I said, Roxanne's got it going on. She's she's the one that, and again, she's like, oh, no. Tucker, what did you do? You, she's kind of got that thing going on. You said Roxanne. Are you talking about Jesse or was her name Roxanne? I thought it was Roxanne. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, okay. And you're right. No, 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 you are. Yeah, you're right. It is Roxanne. I'm looking. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I was just guessing. <laughs> I don't know that it really matters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, she gets in a car and starts heading that way, and she contacts Billy, you know, uh, Professor X with the mullet, and says, hey, tell me where Tucker is. He's like, I'm not going to give you that information. She's like, he's in trouble, and I just want to find him. So you're kind of worried, well, she's going to try to knock him off, or is she on the, on the good side? We don't know. Uh, then it cuts away to... Uh, the reporter's friend that works at the the TV station or the news station with her, and dude, she she is dancing and cooking. I've never and, I've never been that happy about cooking. <laughs> I mean, but you know she's got a full on routine going. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's the eighties, man. It's it's the magic of the eighties. Again, this is why I think it's an earlier film because this is not eighty nine dancing, right? Well, eighty nine, you're. You've got you look more like Roxanne if it's eighty nine with the real long hair and well, you know you look like a a, a groupie from a Poison concert. <laughs> this whole scene right here, man, I, I it just seems so pointless to me. Just because, yeah. I mean, this so this this girl's the sister of uh, of uh, Marion. Oh really? They're sisters? Well, that's that's what he said later in the movie, like about your okay. si- sorry about your sister or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, we'll get there later. But um, they go to this well, they go to this apartment she shares with her sister, 
and and really the only reason uh, Sloth goes to the apartment is to kill her to send a message but yeah. there's no guarantee she would have gone home <laughs> especially if she's wanted with a, with a big cowboy hat I mean <laughs> Be- Baker shows up and he pre- he's pretending to be a member of cops and he's wearing this big cowboy hat <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out does that really sell the image that you're one of the cops I mean you haven't worn a cowboy hat any other time in this flick the, well this scene also there was like some real misplaced suspense because whenever he knocks on the door, it doesn't show him right away. It just shows right. like, his hand at his side, and the camera's like shooting up through his hand. Where you know you, you it's supposed yeah. to be a mystery, but you know it's him, right? Sure. Like I, don't, you can I, hear his voice. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> and that's why I don't know why they tried to make that like this suspenseful scene. Like, was it trying to like mimic Terminator or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean they were trying to to make it to where you didn't know it was him until the camera panned to him, but. They just forgot the fact of, you know, hey, maybe you ought to change your voice a little bit. <laughs> you know what, though? I will give them this. It was, I mean, it could have been anybody because all you saw was, like, the palm of a hand and some denim. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, but, yeah, he's got that big cowboy hat, and he pulls out a butterfly knife. You're like, yeah, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he pulls it out, he does that, like, whippy thing with it, too, where he spins it around. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the whole point of the butterfly knife, right, is to show that you can do that. Well, Oh, Man. yeah, yeah, definitely. The tr- I carried one for years when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude, you would be expelled <laughs> and sent to Guantanamo <laughs> nowadays if you walked uh, into a school with that. Um, well, it's weird, too, because, like, every time he pulls it out and he does a little flippy thing, like, he smiles real big. And it's funny because I'm wondering if it's because he actually, like, did it right or something or if he's smiling because his character's <laughs> supposed to be enjoying it that much. Nailed it that time. <laughs> I did it first take. <laughs> All right, this next scene you're going to have to help me with because I just I don't understand how this happens. Either either David Carradine knows some magic or he's pulling back on the old kung fu stuff, but they're parked again in this isolated area, and he sees two guys from cops coming up behind him. He makes Marion duck down. <laughs> Into his lap. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Makes her duck down when well, she's in this bright red dress. I mean, so it's not like it's not like you're gonna see it. But she's ducked down in the passenger seat, and these two guys sneak up to the jeep, and one of them looks inside, and obviously you can see her duck down in there, and he acts like he don't see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> then all of a sudden you hear David Carradine say, "Looking for me," and he's like Be- across from the jeep, behind a car, behind a wall. How? <laughs> How did you get out of there and them not see you? Because they were walking right behind the Jeep up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, this guy, the way he exits a, you know, a, a vehicle, he's not stealthy. <laughs> he's not s- stealthing around that place. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've seen him get out of the Jeep before. I don't see how you got out of there and these guys didn't see you. But anyways, uh, get a little more throw down here. Um, they're like, wow, I can't believe we got him. That's going to be a whole bunch of money. But nope, there's two cops. And then one of them says, we didn't get him. I got him. And he shoots the other cop because he wants the money for himself. <laughs> or, I mean, wow. or possibly to say that he took him down, too. Right, yeah. And that's the next thing. He's getting ready to kill him. And uh, then all of a sudden, he gets shot by Roxanne. So she comes to help him out. 
And she gives him, she gives Tucker that speech of $100,000, that's a lot of money. And I'm going, wait a minute. You're driving a vet. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably $50,000 in the 80s. So, uh, $100,000 to you is not really that much if you can drive a vet. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, like she shows up and she saves them and stuff. And then. He ends up, all right, well, uh, take care. Leaves her in this, like, a, check, this, check you later. <laughs> <laughs> under an overpass or whatever the hell they are. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, then, right there behind one of the, the, the overpass pillars is sloth. Yeah. Yeah. Baker jumps out and kills Roxanne. Slits her throat with a butterfly knife. Yeah. And so this, you know, they're showing how, how ruthless this guy is. But uh, he's always just right behind. He, he never can catch uh, Tucker, I guess. So I guess that's what we're trying to develop here. But this is where Marion and Tucker show up at, I guess, her sister's house, now that you're saying it's her, and find her dead. But nobody seems really emotionally bothered by this. Well, you know? And, and it's even weirder, too, because, like, there's no... I mean, they cut to them waking up in bed. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going to get to. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is she in the kitchen still? <laughs> is, she, is she still laying there on the floor in the kitchen? I mean, <laughs> did the cops come get her and or the coroners come and get her and take her away? I mean, what's the story here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I'm, I, we don't know that they spent the night together, but everything looks like they did. Yeah. Uh, because, and I'll give you a reason why. She wakes up looking for him. He's not there. But she puts on this satin shirt. And guess what's on the back of it? That's right. That great big stupid hand. <laughs> <laughs> that's been painted on by Tucker himself. I guess that's why he shows you he loves you. He paints a big hand on your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and again, no reason why. I don't know if maybe... They were maybe one of those deals that you, hey, my, my granddaughters are a real good artist, and if you want me to put money in this movie, you got to show some of her work. All right, we'll put it on the back of this satin shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a not as hip body glove logo. No, oh, it's, yeah, it's it's really bad. <laughs> it looks like if you were driving by uh, like a fortune teller's house, but they did all the artwork out front themselves. <laughs> 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 That's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> oh, uh, so I'm trying to see where we are. Is this? Oh crap! The helicopter. We forgot that we forgot earlier when he gets chased by the helicopter. Yeah, well, no, that's right after this, isn't it? <laughs> I think it was the night before. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because that. Okay. So, <laughs> so out of nowhere, they're parked in the dark. <laughs> All of a sudden, this light comes on, and the helicopter's tracking them, shooting at them. <laughs> and Dave Carradine's leaning out the window of his truck, driving the Jeep, and shooting in the air with his pistol at the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. it's great, too, because, like, the helicopter and the car, 
never change paths. The whole time they're just going in a straight yeah. <laughs> linear motion. <laughs> you you know they're he's driving by alleys. He's driving all these different ways where you could you know possibly hide from a helicopter shooting at you. Ugh. But <laughs> wow. but no, they keep going in just in a straight straight line the entire time. And I love the fact of it gets to the point to where they're driving down part of this like main highway or whatever. And what do you know? There's the priest standing out there. Oh, this is the best thing. This is this is what makes this movie almost exploitation. Uh, yeah. And the priest is like, he sees the car and he sees the helicopter. And I guess he knows right then who everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let- and says, hey, g- give me that thing to another guy. Pulls out a rocket launcher. <laughs> and the priest shoots down the helicopter. <laughs> but his why i don't know <laughs> but, but but like the uh the the priest his henchman has a peg leg did you notice that <laughs> i did not yeah the both times i watched this he has this like metal like prosthetic leg thing and i'm like oh it's like all their henchmen have something missing you know it'd have been funny if he like pulled off that dude's leg and shot the helicopter with that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny, man. That'd been awesome. <laughs> but yeah, the the pre shoots the helicopter and it blows up. And I I hope that he knows that you know it was Tucker that he was saving. And not like some traffic, like, some traffic helicopter. Maybe he just hates helicopters. I mean, I <laughs> don't really know at this point. <clears throat> just another way to stick the priest back in here. Oh, let's see where are we at. Uh, oh, this is where Tucker decides he's got to go do this alone. So he leaves her home by herself with her dead sister, he <laughs> and he's going to proceed on to the salvage yard. Leaves her a note. Yeah, leaves her a note that says, "I've got to do this alone." And he goes where else? The salvage yard. Yeah, the junkyard, because that's where you do all your business with bad guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Tucker pulls up, and there's Adams and Becker. And two other thugs, and we get a little confrontation of, well, I've I've come to take you in, and uh, Adams is like, yeah, whatever, and they decide to start shooting, and first thing, Tucker takes out the other two guys that don't matter, <laughs> and you, and, so you're back down to just Adams and Becker again, and you never seen these guys before now either. It's just it's always been the, no. those two together. Well, I mean, think of the ratio. I mean, if they brought in every crime lord from around town brought them in and said they want 50% and then they shoot one of their own people in the process <laughs> you, you're going to have a big turnover rate <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are probably fresh on the job right this is probably the first thing they were hired to do they get shot and killed by Tucker well it was weird too because they were dressed kind of were they in suits yeah yeah like yeah, they, they were dressed like like feds or something yeah, they went full out mobster here, right? Trying to give you that drug lord kind of look. <clears throat> but uh, Tucker ends up catching Adams and actually kind of grazes him. He shoots at him, kind of grazes his head. And uh, when he's coming over to fight him, and then Becker shows up and shoots Tucker in the arm. And so Adams skedaddles away, right? He runs off. And we get a fight. Between two guys that are really washed up. 
Two guys oh. and a lot of Michelob. Man, I mean, you can tell that the, these these swings, these punches are man. Betty White could throw a stronger punch, I think. <laughs> it, it looks really bad, and like I said, both these guys are they're getting on up there. They're obviously out of shape. You know, in, in the past, these were your guys. The rough and tumble people, but they're just not anymore. So <laughs> this fight's a little sad, and I love it when <laughs> Becker finally gets him down, face down in the dirt, and he starts pounding on the back of his head. <laughs> and he does this last thing, like he pulls his hand back, and the camera focuses in real tight on him. And you think it's gonna be some kind of like death bomb hand, you know, like he's gonna smash his head, and the head's just gonna splatter everywhere. But he just hits him the same as he did all the other times. <laughs> it's like he couldn't hit him anymore. I'm just wore out. <laughs> but they build it up to be this big last punch, and it's just like, bonk, like all the other ones. And he just stands up like, well, I guess it's done then. <laughs> so he gets his drunk butt up, starts walking off, and Becker comes back again and hits him with a like a metal pole across the back. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, like he left, he knows these people want to kill him. <laughs> like, like he just left the dude man. there. <laughs> I wrote down that he he drunk punched him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, you got Becker's got Tucker down on the ground, get ready to finish him off. And guess guess what? Uh, t- tell tell the people out there what what Tucker does next, Johnny. He grabs his remote control. <laughs> The remote control, which looks like a pack of marbles with some gray tape on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's got one button on it. (laughs) So what does a remote control do that's only got one button on it? Everything. Not much. (laughs) You say not (laughs) Not much and everything. (laughs) You say not much, but this thing does a lot. It's got a lot of presets. I don't don't think it's the remote control doing that. But yeah, man, he hits this button, and the glove comes flying out like an attack dog. It, fly, it and, flies all around the salvage yard. And and the thing I like about uh, this is while Becker's got him down on the ground, he's about to kill him. The whole time, David Carradine's like messing with that switch, and, and Becker just kind of looks over at it and just like kind of smiles like, oh, I'm still going to kill you. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> this dude's about to die at your hands. You got to know he's trying to kill you back or something. <laughs> He's like, what are you going to do, change the channel on me? <laughs> oh, top, yeah, man, this, topical dialogue. this robot glove comes flying out of nowhere, and <laughs> it starts beating the crap out of Becker. It's hilarious, man. Well, it is, well, it's, it's so cheesy. It's great, too, because, like, <laughs> it just shows you that, you know, he'll never need to actually get up off the couch ever again. Just, just push the button and the glove's got it. <laughs> Go give me another beer. <laughs> uh, hey, come over here and give me a hand. <laughs> oh. Watch that laser, though. <laughs> but yeah, man, this uh, this fist is just beating the crap out of Becker, and then it chokes him to death, supposedly. It, it does. Now, it chokes him to death, but then it does yeah, something it else. Him to death. <laughs> Uh, 
This is a glove that we saw hold a car back from taking off down the road, shoot lasers out of it, but it it chokes this guy like a like a eighth grade nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it doesn't really do any damage here. But uh, anyways, well, the, we think that well, uh, no, the the, the, be- the best stick- part about this though is is when it gets done choking him to death, the glove like. Makes eye contact, <laughs> finger contact with David Carradine's eyes, and it gives him the AOK gesture. <laughs> As it flies back into the box in the back of the truck. <laughs> like somebody had to program the AOK, you know? It's just like somebody took some footage from a, a Power Rangers movie and just stuck it in here all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Even David Carradine laughs at it. I mean, that's the thing. He even chuckles. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm producing this shit. Oh, uh, so here's the thing, right? We've just had this big brawl. David Carradine's being shot in the arm, but it's just a little bloody spot on his arm, and he's got a little trickle of blood coming out of the side of his mouth. That's it. And when he gets back in the jeep, he turns on he turns on his TV to talk to Billy. He's like, "What the hell happened to you?" And I'm like, "It's not even that noticeable." <laughs> And he's like, Billy, I need you to do something, man. I need you to break back into the system. And he's like, well, what for? And, of course, we don't get to find out because it's all part of a bigger plan. Uh, Yeah. So during that conversation, we see Adams has shown up at COPS headquarters. And uh, while this is going on, Billy is trying to get into COPS. Now, this is part of my what were they thinking when we get to it in a little bit, but he has a hard time getting into the system. Uh, it looks like a video game that <laughs> <laughs> he's having to break this code to get into. I don't know. He was just missing the bra on his head, like when he's trying to make a chick in weird science. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what it looks like. <laughs> oh, But, uh, Billy finally gets access to the system, and right before he's about to enter the information he's supposed to put in there, somehow Becker shows up at his house because now Billy's in the system. Now, I'm trying to figure out who did the computer work because if Adams was running to cops and Becker's fighting a glove... Who's got time to enter this information? Because you know they don't have any kind of laptop or anything at this point. So, yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyways, Becker jumps in to Professor X's room and shoots him. And (laughs) luckily for us, he thinks he's dead because we thought Becker was dead. But uh, Billy reaches up. And just like you expect, he reaches up to the keyboard to hit that last key, and he hits the return button. <laughs> Enter. <laughs> yeah. So uh, apparently that's the key he was supposed to hit, but it was obviously the return button. So you're like, uh, y'all didn't think that through, did you? <laughs> uh. Anyways, it's for a bigger picture because... Tucker shows up at Cops. You got Adams there at Cops now. And 
Adams is yelling, hey, y'all need to shoot him. Kill him because he's wanted and I want him dead. I'll pay you even more money if you'll kill him. And while they're standing there, they all look up at the, the pizza menu. <laughs> and coming across it, it says that Adams is wanted. And all the cops just shoot him all together at the same time and kill him. So we've killed Adams. And then David Carradine swaggers out the front door. And while he's going outside, uh, which I still don't understand because isn't David Carradine still in the system? So wouldn't they still want to kill him too? Well, see, I didn't know that because, like, when he went to go after uh, Miriam and then they called him, like, yeah, I don't know, like, traitor or, like, enemy of the state or whatever. Like, yeah. I was wondering that myself. I'm like, is she not wanted, <laughs> wanted anymore? Like, since he's, like, the top priority? Like, do they go based on, like, rank? Well, I mean, you know, they were both 100000 a apiece, so if you got the two of them, that's 200000 bucks. But it's like nobody does that math anymore. It's like when it becomes Tucker, everybody's like, oh, we got to get him. So, I don't know. That's an oversight, I'm sure. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I really liked was uh, whenever, before they had switched the, uh, you know, the, the NASDAQ <laughs> from Tucker to the other guy, um, they all kind of like, the other bounty hunters like kind of move in on Tucker and they're all, they're all like almost more than like a half moon around him. And they're all, they're right. all pointing their guns. I'm like, what's the, what's the plan here guys? If you all have to, what are you going to, you're going to hit each other with those guns. Right. Yeah. It's almost a Ninja three thing, right? Where they're all surrounding the Ninja and they're all facing each other. It's like, yeah, it's not a smart idea, <laughs> but they do him in. And then Tucker's walking outside and wouldn't you know it, right on key even though I'm not exactly sure how this works because Tucker had to have gotten back to headquarters in some kind of vehicle but Marion pulls up in the jeep <laughs> I'm like uh, uh did she let him off or <laughs> but uh, she jumps out and it's like oh let's let's just get away he's like where do you want to go she said anywhere you want to go and it's like oh okay and uh, you think everything's happy-go-lucky, but then all of a sudden, there's Becker. He jumps up from behind the Jeep, and, you know, Tucker quick draws him, shoots him in the head, and they just <laughs> they just get in the Jeep and drive off. I'm like, all these cops are standing outside. Dude is laying there dead in the street, and they just jump in the Jeep and drive off. <laughs> it's like, hey, shouldn't somebody call the ambulance or <laughs> something at this point <laughs> oh man that's the way the movie goes off <laughs> but there there is a sequel to this so I'm sure they, they explain a lot yeah. of the, the questions we have in that yeah I doubt it <laughs> <laughs> oh so there you go folks that's future force <laughs> where you can have a robot glove made for you with a remote control but it really ends up being quite useless when you think about it because it didn't even kill the dude. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I thought he was going to pull a Tony Stark, right, and like hit the hit the remote and it just comes flies and jumps on his hand. Then he just beats the guy with you know excessive force. But no, we're going to let the glove fly around. It's almost like when you watch a Godzilla movie. Anytime they made like any of the creatures fly on Godzilla, they're just super suspended. That's the way this thing looks. <laughs> when it's flying around. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's awesome. 
Oh. Man, <laughs> he didn't want to use the uh, the remote for it because it wasn't covered in denim. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man, it looks like a, cig- a cigar bo- uh, or a cigarette box or something. <laughs> they just taped a button on the top of it. <laughs> I think it even says remote control on it, you know. <laughs> in case you forget what that one thing you have in your pocket is. Yeah. I mean, we've only heard about it seven times in this movie so far, so... <laughs> Man, do you get any good lessons? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, always, always have a computer geek as your work partner, because <laughs> you're gonna need it. You never know when you're gonna be put into the system. <laughs> Man, if I put never trust your coworkers, because ooh, I feel like there's a lot of backstabbing in this movie. Man, yeah, they were turning each other left and right. Man, show sure enough. Man, what about what were they thinking? Uh, what were they thinking? Okay, well, it kind of ties back to, I wrote down that uh, Becker can jump right into the database with a password, and Billy has to play five levels of Zelda to get to, get to, to, get to the code. I never, yeah, that's awesome. Well, man, the uh, for me, all I got was... Uh, the acronym just you know they, <laughs> like I can't believe that nobody fixed that in post I know I know I mean I even had to rewind it because I was like there's no way they got that wrong either that or I heard something wrong <laughs> nope that's what they said <laughs> well you know you're off to a good start in a movie when they have something that you know that big of a uh, a goof in the, in the first 30 seconds <laughs> man yeah, man. Um, how uh, would you upgrade this movie? Man, I've got a good one. And this just kind of came to me because I got to thinking, okay, they're called Cops. And we used to have a TV show called Cops, which failed miserably because it was a musical. So I thought, how cool would it be at the end of this movie, being they all rush outside? Why don't they do like a Super Bowl shuffle kind of song at the end where all the cops say, you know, my name is Mike, and I like to fight. <laughs> you know, just go through each one of the cops, right? <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> It'd be awesome. <laughs> we are cops. <laughs> Man, that's great. Um, I, got, I have two upgrades for this movie. Uh, the first one would be a girdle for <laughs> Carradine. Let's, <laughs> let's get him. Let's get him in some spanks, guys. <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> Um, but uh, more slaves this movie could have had more slaves (laughs) slaves (laughs) I oh (laughs) I didn't think about that but you're exactly right nobody has sleeves on anything (laughs) except that satin jacket that she puts on a satin shirt (laughs) oh (laughs) even the girl dancing in the kitchen don't have sleeves (laughs) Oh man. Okay, so uh, where would you sit this on the bus? You know what? I'm not going to be too hard on this one, man. It's it's not good. It's not good in any means. But I would go watch it again right now if oh, yeah. I, if I had to. Uh, I'm going to say second seat from the front. All right, that's that's actually where I'd sit it too. Yeah, I mean it's not great by any means but 
It's... It's more fun than it should be. Well, and I think I think a lot of that has to do with how, like... I don't know how cliche a lot of it is. Like, you've seen this a million times, but oh, they yeah. do it in such an inept way <laughs> that it makes it... I don't know, it just it draws you in. It, it Well, also what draws you in is just the fact of how Carradine just really doesn't care at all. You can tell he's just... I'm just going through the motions, man. You can really see it here. I mean, I know that, you know, this is the second movie I think we've covered with him in it on Short Bus. And Lee Russell was with us for the other one. And he even pointed out this is the point where David Carradine was starting to just, you know, I'm just making a paycheck. Well, this is, you know, almost 10 years later, and it's still the same frame of mind, and you've seen what it's done to his body. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what, what movie did we do with Carradine? De- uh, what is it? Death Sport? I think... I've been it. It's been forever, huh? Yes, Death Sport, where they're riding the motorcycles and he fights Richard Lynch with the uh, Astro Pop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, Richard Lynch. So, yeah. Richard Lynch does a lot of movies later in his career that oh, will yeah. be on the bus, I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, there you go, guys. I mean, to me, this is... It's more fun than it should be. I, I I don't know how else to say it. Don't expect a great movie, but I think when you walk away from it, you're going to be like, you know, if I was homesick, laying in the bed, I, I could actually enjoy watching this movie. <laughs> Come for the denim, stay for the titties. Yeah, yeah, you do get to see some of these uh, strippers that are in the, uh, the DMZ. And, uh... I don't know, man. It's it's got some moments that are totally ridiculous, but it's fun enough that you really don't care, which is right opposite of the new Wonder Woman movie. It's ridiculous, and you don't care. <laughs> Have you seen it no, yet? I, no, I haven't seen it yet. I've I haven't Dude, heard a lot of good things it, about it. It's it's short bus, man. It's, it's it is not good. that bad, really. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh yeah. man, I have to check it out. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it has its moments, but anyways, that's another show. <laughs> but uh, I would rather watch this any day over the new Wonder Woman movie, if that tells you anything. Dang, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people say stuff like that, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested. It's kind of like, even though I still like Inferno by Argento, that is him trying too hard to recapture lightning in a bottle. That's exactly what this next Wonder Woman movie is. It, 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 they're trying too hard, and it just doesn't work. It fails on just about every level. And now I, now I just want to watch Argento. <laughs> well, yeah, that's always the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. I, again, I, I think if, uh, if you like bad movies, I really think you'll enjoy this one. And it's, it's kind of a hoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I recommend this. So, folks, I think we've got a few more movies already planned up to, to come up, and we're going to start working on those really soon. But, uh, Johnny, it's been it's been great getting back on the bus, man. Oh, yeah. It's been awesome, man. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will be back really soon with the next episode. So, till then, Johnny and I say sayonara. Peace. Peace.